May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. I've said from this pulpit before that much of what goes on in the Gospel of Luke happens on the road, the road that Jesus walks with his followers to Jerusalem. That journey, as of today's reading, is now nearing its end. This encounter with Zacchaeus is the last face-to-face personal interaction Jesus has before he arrives in Jerusalem. By placing this story at the very end of our Lord's journey, it seems to me Luke is trying to give it a place of importance. In fact, I can't even begin to tell you in a sermon of this length how much of this story is so entirely like Luke. The word choice is typically Lucan. The themes that are emphasized are Luke's principal themes. The events that take place are the kinds of things happening all the time in Luke's gospel. But most important, most important, the theology of repentance is very much like Luke through and through. In fact, I think this little vignette encapsulates Luke's gospel as a whole rather well. So it's worth our study. The first thing I'll point out is that Luke uses an entirely unique word to describe Zacchaeus' job. We are told that he is a chief tax collector. Now, we're not sure what that means exactly, but we can surmise a possible scenario based on what we know about how taxes got collected in this corner of the Roman Empire. The Roman authorities would levy a fixed amount of tax that they budgeted for in any given territory. The right to actually collect the taxes in that territory would then be auctioned off, either to an individual or possibly to a group of investors. Those collectors then would canvass their territory to deliver the fixed amount that had been levied by the Romans. And as long as those collectors paid that fixed amount to the Romans up the chain, then the authorities would be happy. The collectors themselves made their money by ensuring that they squeezed everybody in their territory for a little extra cash here and there, above and beyond the fixed levy. So the more they extracted, the more went into their own pockets. You may have heard that tax collectors are viewed in a negative light by the culture that produced the Gospels. You can see why, right? First of all, they're working for the hated Roman occupiers. Second of all, they're making their money by squeezing more than what was owed out of the occupied citizenry. It's bad enough in the Gospels To be a tax collector, Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector, which surely must be worse, right? It's possible that he is in fact in charge of a group of collectors who are working for him. 
which means that he, in turn, gets a cut of everything that his flunkies have squeezed out of the locals in Jericho. And Jericho, in fact, at this time, was a very busy transit point for goods of all kinds. Imports and exports flowed through. It's very close to Jerusalem. There's a great deal of business being done. So with lots of business going on and lots of tax collectors kicking revenue up the chain to Zacchaeus, there is little wonder that he is, in fact, as Luke says, rich. He would have been very important as well. Probably he was resented behind his back, but to his face, it was important to be respectful. The next thing we hear about Zacchaeus, Luke tells us that he was seeking to see Jesus. We know nothing about why he might have wanted to do that. But we can tell that he very much wanted to see Jesus. We know this because he does two things that are totally out of character for a rich and important man. He ran up ahead and he climbed up a tree. Both of these activities are completely undignified, totally unfit for a rich adult male in the Near Eastern world. That Zacchaeus is willing to run and climb up a tree in front, no less, of a crowd of chumps that he routinely shakes down for personal profit means that he is not just casually seeking to see Jesus, he is frantically seeking to see Jesus. And the crowd, I think we have to imagine, is bound to think this whole display is hilariously humiliating for Zacchaeus, whose conspicuous shortness of stature almost certainly makes him an object of fun on an ordinary day and would be even more conspicuous up a tree. So I think we do have to imagine that this scene is a rather amusing one for everyone involved. And I suspect that our Lord himself is not without a sense of humor and finds the whole situation pretty amusing, so much so that it would appear he changes his plans in response to Zacchaeus's comic antics. If you look back at the very first verse of today's reading, it tells us that Jesus is passing through Jericho, which sort of seems to imply that he doesn't actually intend to stop here. He's almost to Jerusalem. But maybe when he catches sight of Zacchaeus up a tree, it's just too good not to stop. In fact, he says he must stay. It is necessary that Jesus change his plans to stay at Zacchaeus' house today. And when Luke says today, he means right now, now, immediately, right away. And so Zacchaeus receives him into his home gladly. As has happened before, 
by consorting with a notorious chief tax collector. Jesus does, though, court controversy and suspicion. The crowd murmurs. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. We have heard this kind of thing before, in Luke's Gospel, certainly, usually from the Pharisees. But I want to say something more about why the crowds in the Gospel tend to have this pharisaical reaction. I've already pointed out that a tax collector is a collaborator with the occupation regime, and that is certainly strike one. And I pointed out that a tax collector makes his money by chiseling other people out of their money, and that's strike two. But I think actually the worst thing is this. I think there's a deeper question at issue here. Because there was a popular view at the time. There were many who believed that the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of mankind for whom we were all waiting, would not appear until and unless the people of Israel were made righteous and therefore ready to receive the Messiah. The theory was that as long as there were openly wicked people practicing open wickedness, the Messiah would simply not deign to appear in such unrighteous environs. And so this is the real problem. This is the problem with prostitutes and tax collectors. It's not just that they are sinful. It's not just that they are resented. It's not just that they are outcast. The problem with people like prostitutes and tax collectors is that they are making it impossible for the Messiah to show up. The problem with them is that they are part of the problem. And that, I think, is strike three. So when Jesus consorts with prostitutes and tax collectors, who, by the way, he says, are going into the kingdom of heaven ahead of the scribes and the Pharisees, when he consorts with people like Zacchaeus, the crowds get angry and suspicious because it looks like Jesus is failing to expunge those elements of the community that are obstructing the coming of the Messiah. But the truth, the truth is something that the pharisaical mindset will not expect. The truth is that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. He has already come. And he has come not only to unrighteous people, he has come for unrighteous people. And I think Zacchaeus has figured this out. And I think he's figured out what he needs to do. In response to the murmurings of the crowd, he stands up and he calls Jesus his Lord. When he does that, he acknowledges that Jesus is not just any rabbi. He is not just an object of passing curiosity. He is the Lord who makes a claim upon Zacchaeus' life 
and who must be obeyed. And in recognition of the Lordship of Christ, Zacchaeus does something incredibly important. He repents. He repents. What does it mean to repent? To repent is to admit that you have sinned, to resolve not to sin again, and this is important. To repent is to surrender the ill-gotten profits of your sin. Zacchaeus has defrauded people, and he now resolves to restore fourfold his ill-gotten gains. Because here's the thing about repentance. You cannot repent of some sin while still realizing the benefits of having committed that sin. You can't repent of defrauding people their money and keep the money. You can't repent of stealing a car and still drive it around town. You can't say you are sorry and yet fail to do anything that proves you truly are sorry. Zacchaeus has repented, which Jesus Christ calls us all to do, which the prophet Isaiah, in today's reading, called us to do. The God of the Bible has always, from the beginning, called us to repentance. Jesus, I think, comes into Zacchaeus' home to impress upon him this need for repentance. And when Zacchaeus does repent, Jesus speaks. And you'll notice, he doesn't just speak to Zacchaeus in the second person, he speaks in the third person. He is speaking to everyone in his hearing. And he says, today, salvation has come to this house since he, Zacchaeus, this man over here, is also a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This declaration of salvation is not just for Zacchaeus, but for everyone listening to Jesus Christ say these words. It's for us who are hearing him today, now, right away, immediately. Salvation comes to the homes of those who repent. Because the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That means the Messiah is not waiting for us to become perfectly righteous before he shows up. He comes for those who are lost. But once he shows up,
He is asking us to become perfectly righteous. And we start on the journey toward righteousness by way of repentance. The Roman Catholic philosopher Max Scheler wrote an essay on repentance that I think captures an important truth about Zacchaeus' story. Shaler ends his essay on repentance with these words. Love stirs within us. At first, we think it's our love, our love of God. In repentance, we come to know it for his love, God's love of us. This is the way it always works with repentance. We repent out of love for God, or so it seems. But it turns out that's only possible because God's love for us is already working in us, moving us, drawing us to repent, to come back to him. And it turns out these words also apply perfectly to the story of Zacchaeus. Because at the beginning of this story, Zacchaeus went out. He was seeking to see Jesus. But if Jesus is seeking the lost, then it turns out Jesus was seeking him the whole time. Amen.